Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is co-host, Arzu. Hello. Before we get started today, I have a couple things from two weeks ago that we talked about that I wanted to update on. So, you were asking about Teal's soul patch that you don't like. No. Its last appearance is in episode nine. So, you don't have very much longer to go. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> Next Count week is the, the last appearance. <laughs> and... Then I found two things thanks to Gatecast on Twitter. So they post happy birthday messages for like literally anybody who's ever done anything in Stargate. And that's really helpful for finding out like obscure information because I discovered that the actor that plays Kronos in SG-1, which we've seen once so far, and we'll see him again. Actually, we've seen him twice because we saw him in a flashback recently. He voices one voice in the very first episode of Stargate Infinity. So that brings it up to exactly two people <laughs> who have done one voice in the first episode of Infinity and were also in SG-1. <laughs> and Excellent. Yeah. And then previously, I said there were nine actors who appeared in SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe. And there was a tenth one, thanks to Gatecast. I found out that Colin Corrigan was in four episodes of SG-1, 13 of Atlantis, 10 of which he played Lieutenant Rivers, and then two episodes of Stargate Universe. So, grand total of 10 people. Woo! All right, so last week we talked about season four, episodes four and five, with some romantic drama and assassins. And today we'll be talking about episodes six and seven, Window of Opportunity and Watergate. Window of Opportunity premiered on August 4th, 2000, was written by... Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully, and directed by Peter, Peter DeLuise. Watergate premiered on August 11th, 2000, was written by Robert C. Cooper, and directed by Martin Wood. So, we have reached the number one SG-1 fan favorite episode. Arzu, would you please summarize? No offense to Stargate fans, let's get canceled. This was a fun episode. I don't see why it's the number one episode. <laughs> Even just so far, but okay. So... This episode is Groundhog Day meets Stargate. They are on a planet. Something goes wrong. They get caught in a time loop that Jack and Teal'c are aware of and nobody else is. And they relive the same day over and over and over again until they figure out what the problem is and break the cycle. And Watergate is a standard Mystery of the Week episode. Marina Sirtis is here. I've talked about Star Trek The Next Generation before. So that was a nice surprise that Counselor Troy pops up in... <laughs> In SG-1, and, um, you know, something's going wrong in Russia. They've apparently got a Stargate. People are coughing up mist. It's real weird. <laughs> it was a little weird. <laughs> I just, I was looking at it going, that shit, like, I thought he was vomiting, and then I'm like, no, that's just mist. But it's making water noises. It was just, it was really gross. Well, there was water and vapor. Okay, all I saw was the vapor. But I thought it was making water noises. And I'm like, that's gross. And there weird. was water but, too. Okay. Yeah, it's gross. Still gross, but it makes a little more sense. <laughs> okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, maybe he read your report? And your guess was that Jack is speaking about someone who dozed off because they read Daniel's boring report. And you got it backwards, basically. Because Daniel was talking about how Jack most likely did not read Sam's report. <laughs> no, but he did read the expression on Sam's face. So, okay. <laughs> Before we get into this, I made it about halfway through the episode and I was like, I don't understand why this is a fan favorite. I'm like, it's fun. Yeah. Doesn't really stand out at all. Like, I'd be hard pressed to say that this is going to make it into my top three at the end of the season. And then... <laughs> some stuff happens around the halfway yeah. mark and I was like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> now I get it <laughs> now I get it yeah it's really like the last third of the episode is just pure humor yeah which like finally <laughs> yeah. so starting up right at the top SG-1 goes to a planet to follow up on some weird atmospheric conditions. I think SG-15 had scouted out the planet before, 
So they're following up by putting some diagnostic equipment to be able to read various things in the atmosphere. And there is an archaeologist from some other planet who is there studying this altar. And they think that this place was once a colony inhabited by the ancients and that they created this altar as some kind of strange device and they're not sure what it is and the archaeologist is keeping secrets no the shady guy is keeping secrets (laughs) so there's a storm and it i guess sends some electric charges through the structure and the archaeologist i think it's malachi right is that his name i don't remember i I kept calling him jason isaacs that's not Jason Isaacs. It's not Jason Isaacs. It just looks like him. <laughs> yeah, Malachi. I was right. Okay, cool. Um, so Malachi does something on the altar, and he and Teal'c and Jack all get electrocuted, essentially. And so then the next thing we know, we are in Jack's point of view. He is back 10 hours earlier in the day, eating breakfast in the SGC canteen. (laughs) Very confused about how he got there. And so begins Groundhog Day. Do we ever find out what Daniel's asking him? No. Did I just miss it? No. No, we never find out. And actually, the writer for this episode said that it was never in the script. So, (laughs) nobody knows. So Daniel canonically is suggesting that Sam and Jack have an affair and wants to know what Jack thinks about it. <laughs> and you can make up it whatever was, you want. It wasn't in the script, so yeah. nobody can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Let's get it now. <laughs> so SG-1 is due to have a mission briefing and again, I note that as they're leaving the canteen, they just leave all of their food on the table. Which I'm like, I, I guess they're not required to bust their own tables. It, it seems I'm a little pretentious, but okay. <laughs> I feel like they probably have housekeeping staff that does that. But also, it seems weird for the military not to enforce rules. Yeah, like not to get you to bust your own table. Yeah. And also, Sam mentioned how they had been there for half an hour, and Daniel looks like he's only just started his toast. So has he been going on some kind of long spiel and not been able to eat his breakfast? I mean, maybe they arrived half an hour ago by the time they got their food, sat down, started eating. Like, even then, that doesn't take that long. But what I want to know is, how is their cereal not soggy? I don't know. Unless they just... also started for military people that run around all the time they sure do subsist on a lot of carbohydrates and not a lot of protein right (laughs) they seem to not eat very healthy food whenever we see them in there i'm like what is like what is this this complete breakfast you're supposed to be having like where's the slice of fruit (laughs) maybe that's what took half an hour fruit loops uh dry toast well just like buttered toast it wasn't toast Uh, it was like eggo waffles was it? Daniel had like Eggo waffles. I'm like, Daniel, how old are you? It was very much on them. Yeah. And there was then nothing later... on them. They were dry. He had butter, but there was no butter on the waffle. It was just on his plate in its container. I, yeah. I couldn't tell what Sam was eating. I thought she was also eating but cereal, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. And the then point is, it's I... either sugar or it's dry bread. Well, at the end of the episode, Jack does eat oatmeal. So. Which is disgusting. I can't believe for once in his life, Jack did something wrong. <laughs> Not all oatmeal is bad. All oatmeal is bad. No, there's no like only the only Disagree. way oatmeal is good is when it's like flattened into a disc and baked into a cookie. <laughs> the only way you will get me to eat oatmeal. It's, well, I like oatmeal. It's like snot. I don't care what you do to it. Well, you have to get the good kind. You can't get the, like, generic kind. Any kind of oatmeal. Then you can, like, like, spruce it up by putting fresh fruit in there. Then you've got fresh fruit decorating the bowl of snot. (laughs) 
Okay, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into the main conference room. I'm not sure if there's a name for that room. I was just thinking, because it's not the gate room or the control room. And it's not conference room A. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if there's an official name for it. But anyway, Sam starts the mission briefing. And that's when, you know, Jack interrupts and, you know, predicts what she's about to say. And Daniel delivers the, the quote that I gave. of Maybe he read your report. That was a good <laughs> delivery. I agree with you. That was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Daniel has his moments. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, so the writer, Joseph Malazzi, he's been sharing some behind the scenes videos just this past week from this episode. And one of them is like an extended take of just Hammond's reaction when Jack is going on and on about random stuff. <laughs> it's so funny. He just looks, it's like 10 different shades of confused. Like just very Jack actually variation. knows something for a change. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're trying to figure out what's going on. There's a scene where Daniel finds Jack in a hallway and has a bunch of papers and Siler comes in and knocks him over because Siler is always the one to like be falling over or something like that. I laughed. I'm so glad somebody knocked Daniel over. <laughs> and if you look closely, there's another airman who helps Daniel get back up, and that's Peter DeLuise. Oh. Yeah. There was there was a, there's there our was cameo. A, yeah. There was a behind the scenes cut where he was the one to knock Daniel over instead of Siler, but they obviously didn't keep that way. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> and so every time that Jack and Teal loop, they have to get they get like a medical uh, an examination. Yes, a medical exam. And Teal has this look of extreme annoyance every time they shove a thermometer in his mouth. <laughs> and I don't know, part of me is like, man, it really stinks to have to undergo this medical exam day after day after day. But then again, they do that anyway. They have to do this every time they come back through the Stargate anyway. But we've talked about the fact that like they don't travel every day. No, but it would still be probably at least twice a week you're getting these medical exams done. I mean, I guess I guess it's one thing if like you're getting an exam done because you genuinely need to know if something's wrong versus like you know there's nothing wrong, you know they're not gonna find anything and they're yeah. still subjecting you to the exam. Like Yeah. That would that's get true. frustrating. Yeah. And especially when it's like you're looping the same 10 hours. So it's happening much quicker together. Yeah, 10, 10 hour intervals, essentially. Yeah. Which made me wonder if they get, if they ever had to take a nap for, for a loop. You know what I mean? Because I guess when they're... Or do they like wake time, up refreshed kind of thing? I would, I would think that physically they would wake up refreshed because they're going back to the previous time. And state that their bodies were in but mentally they've got to be exhausted i mean Maybe as they evidenced... didn't spend the whole loop well no because how do you spend the whole loop sleeping when you're supposed to be on a mission well we saw several loops where they took the loop off and goofed off and did whatever so they could have just as easily right, had true. a few loops where they took a nap <laughs> true you know get their medical exam done explain the situation and then go take a nap for like eight hours. Sleep for a full loop. Yeah. Every ten loops, just take a long nap. <laughs> I was getting genuinely worried that they were going to do the Groundhog Day thing, where, you know, you don't. If you've seen Groundhog Day, it never says how long he was looping. Yeah. But the writer, I, I believe it was the writer. Somebody said that to them, he had done the loop for like ten thousand years. Oh no. And I'm like, that's horrifying on an existential level. Yeah. I think I refuse to believe that just because that's upsetting. It's deeply upsetting. So like if that's what they do and it's like, yeah, it's been like a thousand years. I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm quitting the yeah. show today. No, no, no. Sam Jack notwithstanding. It's been approximately three months, so it's Which okay. is annoying, but it's okay. Yeah, it's doable. Which also begs the question, what was looping? Was Earth looping? 
It was those 14 planets that were being dialed. Okay, so that's super weird. Like, did their orbit get thrown off? Like, what's going on? That's a good question. I mean, they were going back in time. So I guess not. But it does make me wonder if, you know, the Toker of Atollan or someone decided to physically go to Earth to see what the problem is. What would they have found? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Would there have yeah. been a time bubble around the Earth? Or would they have then just gotten stuck in the time loop too? Like at what point know. around the Earth does the time bubble start and stop at? That's that's like what if I think about it for too long it'll give me a headache. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't think about it. Because I mean obviously it was the entire Earth that was looping. Because we never heard about somebody outside the SGC wondering where they were for three months, you know? Yeah. So I wonder if it's like the time bubble extends up to like the atmosphere. And so if a ship came, I wonder if they would be able to see them looping or be like, yeah, how close do you have to get to get caught in the loop too? Man. I'm and then if you're that. caught in the loop and you came from outside the loop and now you're caught in the loop and your people are like, well, where did they go? We should send a ship to find them. And then they come and then they get stuck in the loop. And like, <laughs> how, does, how did war not break out? Right. So they were stuck for like a day. Well, I mean, presumably if a ship, a second ship came and saw that they would be able to see the first ship on the planet and see that it's not been destroyed. Okay. If you're observing from outside the bubble uh-huh. and at like the nine hour mark the ship enters the thing mm-hmm. the bubble and goes down to the planet when it resets do you see the ship enter the bubble again like if you're oh. just sitting outside the bubble and watching I don't know because I mean that would make me think that no matter what point you entered the bubble when time looped back, you would shoot back out of the bubble because you weren't there at the beginning of the loop. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like probably the way that sci-fi would answer this would be that there is a bubble that is impenetrable and like you would be able to observe it, but you would not be able to pass through it because there's just too many problems that come up if you talk about trying to go through the bubble. You know what I mean? Hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think anyway, uh, thought about this much longer than the writers did. (laughs) So enough about the bubble. Yeah. Oh, there was the instance of... um, so they're talking about one of the causes of this whole thing was the geomagnetic storm on this other planet. And Jack's explanation is magnets. And it becomes a like relatively recurring theme that Jack likes to shout magnets for whatever the reason is for something. So I think this is the first time that we ever hear him do that. And he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, he was right. So Jack and Teal'c have to learn a whole bunch of ancient dialogue in order to translate all of the walls and the, and the altar to figure out the time device. And I like that Daniel has a guilt-free excuse to play with his walls now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he needed to play with walls this time. Well, I also wondered this uh, new skill that Jack and Teal'c have picked up. Is that going to come back? I don't think so. Learned a whole language and they're never going to use it again? Well, they learned specific translations for specific parts of the language. But he was reading Latin for beginners. I assumed he, like, enriched his language knowledge. (laughs) So, fun fact, that book that he was reading was Latin for the Novice, 
by Joseph Malazzi, who is the writer of the episode. Is that a real book? No. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just, a, it's just a prop book. But it, the writer, like, got that in there as, like, a wink to the audience. I did see an interview where that writer said that before he became a screenwriter, he was going to be a high school teacher. I don't remember what he was going to be teaching. But uh, I don't think it was Latin. So, Jack and Teal'c are forced to learn ancient and help Daniel. Although I wonder, I was wondering about how every single loop that we saw where they were working with Daniel, Daniel was translating the exact same line of text. I'm like, I feel like it should be a new line of text each time because they would have been like, hey, we already did this part. This is what it means. Go on to the well, next one. They weren't paying attention for a few of those loops. So they probably just... yeah we're running it out to see if Daniel like gets there any faster. But I mean, once but, you get past like three repetitions and you're starting to memorize things, then it shouldn't still be the same sentence over and over again. No, I mean, I don't think they're like actively taking part in this. They're just present in the room. Like in, like in Groundhog Day, how it takes him forever to actually start cluing into what's going on and making a better effort of, of it. Like they're well, but, just passive about it. No, they're not. They they can't be passive about it because Daniel can only translate so much in one day and then he forgets it all. No, I know. But I'm thinking maybe like they just think he's going to get there faster. So they're just not chiming in because they're juggling like they're not actively prompting him to go any faster. So I'm thinking they just are mentally like disengaged from it until they eventually take on a more active role. Well, I think it's like at first they didn't realize how long how much of a problem it was going to be, how long it was going to go on for. Right. But so they're just running out the clock, you think? But it's like, I mean, I after like three to five loops, you would think like, okay, now we need to start legitimately learning this and memorizing it and moving on. But we see quite a few loops and Daniel's still working on the same sentence. So it just makes me think that like, the prop people had that one sentence prepped on the board and they just didn't want to have to do a new one. It's also easier to film if you can just get four takes of Michael Shanks doing the same scene. Yeah. And just not have to read reset for anything else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, another, another weird time thing I was thinking about is part of another long tangent is if they're, looping nonstop for several months are they aging no because they're going back in time would there be a difference in aging between everybody else and jack and teal like would jack and teal be aging because they're aware of it could be but i don't think so okay since they're physically going back in time yeah i think their their consciousness is just out of the loop Right. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about the chaos. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been, then, I've been well, so Daniel brings up the possibility of like, hey, has it occurred to you that you could do literally anything with no consequences since you know that time is just going to start over again at the same point? <laughs> and Jack's like, well, damn. He immediately gets up and walks out of the room <laughs> to go do something else. So this includes like silly things yeah. like riding a bike mm -hmm. and learning pottery and Which is like shoving the guy who keeps bonking him in the head through the door like they just don't yeah. care anymore. Yeah. But I think you all know that my personal favorite is when yeah. he shows up in the gate room in a beanie and a crew neck <laughs> from God knows where. The lost it had and a bound. bunch of like, country flags on it, so those are nautical flags. Okay, so it might have been from like some mission, like from God knows where. Yeah, shows up wearing this sweater, and tells George, yeah, aka General Hammond, that he's quitting, and he yeah. hands over what looks like a twenty-page resignation letter, <laughs> and he's like, "But why?" And then Sam's like, "Why?" And then he looks at her and goes. So I can do this and kisses her and then dips her backward and keeps kissing her. And okay. Um, 
that's what bumped this up to like, oh, this is actually a good episode. But I need for these two to like be a thing <laughs> without it being like an altered state or not <laughs> real or a parallel dimension or like it resets in five hours. Like, and also jumping ahead to the end for a second. When Daniel asks him, you know, did you do anything chaotic in the time loop? And he's like, that was actually your idea. And he's like, so what did you do? He gives Sam this look <laughs> while he's eating his oatmeal. And I'm like, and she catches on. I could, I could, Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she gets it. On. But if a, if, if a man looked at me like that and then ate his oatmeal like that, I would think we did a lot more than just kiss in the time. Right? <laughs> Which maybe they did. Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe they did. I don't know. But like, I'm like, Jack, what are you implying? Mm-hmm. I mean, we only saw a kiss right at the end of one loop. But there could have been a loop after that where they did more than kiss. And we just don't know. We don't. Yeah. I also, I know it's kind of played for laughs. But I like that this career military man mm-hmm. makes it so clear that given the choice he would uh-huh. throw the whole thing away for this woman right it's just i know they're playing it as a joke but it is just one of the most romantic things yeah i think this That's show true. has ever or will ever do yeah so there were some behind the scenes clips shared on twitter for uh, with other people's reactions in the room so there's one that's fixed on Hammond and his face is like confused and then like genuinely happy that they're kissing. It's really cute. <laughs> I wonder if they knew it was coming. I don't know. I mean, they didn't use that take of Hammond's reaction, but. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if the other actors knew it was coming or if like this was I something so. that the writer worked out with like oh, Richard Dean Anderson and Amanda Tapping. Like, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be really funny. There was also a reaction shot for the technician that was sitting next to Sam and he has similar like confusion and then like smiles and then you could hear the sound of the kiss in the background and then a growl. Stop. <laughs> so now I can send you the links for these. <laughs> please. Oh my god. Please tell me you bookmarked them. <laughs> They're not hard to find. <laughs> they're very popular on twitter right now so. as they should be yeah <laughs> what i love too about some of the goofiness stuff is you know jack and teal are playing golf and golfing through the stargate and i learned recently in an interview with chris judge that he plays golf regularly so like <laughs> you can he probably tell. Yeah, you can really tell. He had really good form. <laughs> First of all, he had really good form and he actually hit the ball. RDA never actually hits the ball. One. Doesn't he? No. He lines it up in the first one. No, he And then in the second it. time we see it, Hammond yells at him and he's like, in the middle of my backswing. Well, in the, in the behind the scenes stuff, he definitely hits it. I don't know if the hit made the cut. But also... Not. You could tell because Chris Judge looked like he brought his golfing clothes from home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Richard Dean Anderson's outfit looks like a costume. I know that's yeah, like a real does. golfing outfit. Granted, it's very dated, but like that yeah. looks like a costume. I'm like, Chris Judge just brought his clothes from home. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, those, those fit way too nice for that to be. Yeah. yeah. And somebody asked the writer, was there any worries from the producers about these two actors hitting golf balls at the prop of the Stargate because it's an expensive prop. And he said, yes, they were worried, but luckily it was fine. Well, that's why I'm thinking like, they're probably going, well, Richard Dean Anderson can't hit it that far. Anyway, he can't hit it that hard. And yeah. Chris Judge is a good enough golfer to be able to avoid it. Yeah. Oh yeah. When in the, I'll, when I'll send you the, the videos, the, the Stargate has like a green screen behind it. And he hits it like right in the center of the <laughs> of the Stargate. So yeah, he knows what he's doing. It was just it was, those pants <laughs> were so funny. Yeah. 
and also kind of a vibe like where do i get yeah. a pair <laughs> it's like not with the socks pants? just just the pants the plaid pants no the socks were plaid Oh, was it the socks that were plaid? I've seen yeah, the pants are just blue. Plaid. Like, imagine that. Right. So, really, I think what I'm saying is I want a harem pant. Yeah. I feel like this plays into, there was a thing I was talking about several weeks ago, how there is a branch of the Air Force that has a Highland band. And yes. so, like, they wear the full Scottish garb and stuff. And so, I feel like this just reminds me of that. He has, like, vaguely Scottish dress for his golf well, that's attire. why because his golf is a scottish thing yeah that's why that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so they end up figuring out that they need to go back to the planet and essentially just convince this archaeologist malachi that he needs to stop <laughs> so they can like like get out of this loop so they didn't actually learn how to use the table themselves they just gave it another go at trying to get him to stop which I feel like they could have done a long time ago but anyway I think this was a case of work smarter not harder yeah and this scene kind of annoyed me a little bit because like they're trying to convince him to stop and so they find out that the reason he's doing this is he's trying to figure out a way to go back in time and be with his wife who died 12 years ago from some congenital heart disease or whatever. And the, and Malachi is like, you don't get it. And Jack is like, believe me, I know. I lost my son. And I'm like, I know this is supposed to be like an emotional moment, but I just feel like it's weird because literally everybody has lost someone no one is immune to death it's around everybody all the time even if it's not specifically your wife it could be somebody else in your immediate family who is equally important to you and speaking of somebody losing their wife daniel has lost his wife you know not that you think it matters but you know it's <laughs> like I literally put that in my notes. I was like, I get using Jack as the empathy point because it's his episode. Mm -hmm. But Daniel's wife died in his arms and he's just here like, wow, this sucks. I can't imagine losing someone I love. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the whole it's thing. It's a much more natural connection. It's like, you lost your wife. Right. I lost my wife. Yeah. But, but it just felt so forced because it was like, okay, so this malachi dude doesn't realize that literally everybody has lost somebody like he's not special just because his wife died you know i feel like that that's such a a villain trope though of yeah. like i lost my loved one so everybody else has to suffer right like while i attempt to bring them back or while i get yeah. justice or whatever like that is such a plot point what i thought was interesting though is he's like i want to turn the turn time back so i can like spend time with her again and then as one's like and then what watch her die again yeah like watch her die again and then and then jack's like i lost my son and i would never live through that again yeah and i'm going you know that's like that's interesting because usually it's like i'm gonna bring my spouse back permanently right or i'm gonna kill the people responsible yeah it's never like I, I know the sentiment is if I could have one more minute or one more hour right. or whatever. Yeah. But then they're like, okay, and then what? Mm -hmm. Then you have to go through it again. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, that part was interesting. It was more like Malachi being a surface level villain that was, was kind of tiresome to me. But yeah, they so they convince him. He turns off the time loop. And uh, everything goes back to normal. And Sam and Jack share a look that Daniel right. doesn't clue into. <laughs> He's like, "What? I don't get it." I don't know. Not I think he says that, but I think Daniel and Tilk both understand the feelings between Sam and Jack, but also know that like they can't acknowledge it. I feel like they're all just a little too adherent to military protocol yeah like it's well, unnatural. i think i think daniel would be like i think you should just do it 
But, you know, then Sam and Jack would be like, well, we can't. Because Daniel is always talking about breaking the rules because he's a civilian, so. I just feel like they need to all break the rules a little more. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you want to say about this episode? No. Okay. So in Watergate, we find out that when the Asgard ship crashed into the ocean and broke apart, they thought that the Stargate on the ship had been destroyed, but the Stargate being made of Naquita is incredibly resilient and it can withstand a lot of explosive force. And so it survived the explosion and the Russians just happened to find it when they were researching what happened to their missing sub that Jack refuses to acknowledge the entire episode. (laughs) And so Colonel Mayborn being Colonel Mayborn finds out that the Russians have it and inserts himself into the situation and becomes their expert, I guess, because he gives them access to SG-1 mission reports and, and all kinds of stuff. Everything that they need to start their own Stargate program with him involved, obviously, because he's got to have his sticky little fingers in it. Freaking Mayborn. And so apparently there's a problem that the Russians have dialed another Stargate and it is locked and the wormhole will not disengage, which is theoretically impossible because it's part of wormhole physics that a gate can only remain active for 38 minutes. So they have to go to Russia and investigate and they meet Dr. Svetlana Markov, a.k.a. Commander Troy. (laughs) I'm so happy she's here. (laughs) I thought she had a pretty decent Russian accent from what I could tell. I mean, I don't speak Russian, so I don't really know. I don't speak Russian either. She just sounds like herself to me. It it seemed okay. Because, like, Counselor Troy's accent is not quite British and not quite exotic. Okay. So she just sounded like Troy to me with a heavier accent, though, which is also weird because, like, canonically, her mother doesn't have an accent, but she does. I'm like, I don't know where that came from. But um, I could not tell you. I'm happy she's here. (laughs) Fresh off of Star Trek. (laughs) And so we get an interesting bit of information. So. This whole time, we've gone on the assumption that the Stargate and Gisa originally had a DHD, but it was lost at some point because it was never collected by the Americans and Stargate program, which is why they had to build their computer, etc., etc. But it turns out that the DHD was taken from Giza by the Germans who were helping during the initial uncovering of the Stargate, and somehow the Russians got it from the Germans. <laughs> so, I don't presumably, know. Presumably, World War II. Presumably. So, it's theoretically, the Russians have had the DHD for decades and just didn't know what it was until they got the Stargate and Girl Mayborn told them what it was. So, I mean, that's just really interesting to me that it's like this little thread of like, oh, here's the DHC. You wondered where it was. It's been here the whole time. So they are able to keep their own Stargate program secret for, I think, 37 days because they keep the DHD unconnected until exactly when they need to use it. And then they disconnect it when they're done using it. And so... So then we kind of learned the lore that any DHD is going to supersede the dialing computer that they have made for themselves. Right. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. Because I guess, like, I'm not totally sure on the tech, but, like, the dialing computers just approximate what a DHD does, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they just didn't catch all the new ones. Well, I think essentially, I mean, it has something to do with probably the control crystals 
in the DHD and like the programming of the control crystal will supersede the copycat programming that they have with their dialing computer. Right. Cause the dialing computer doesn't know all the programming of the crystal. Yeah. Yep. And so that kind of makes me wonder, cause before I was wondering about how, you know, there was originally the original Stargate was in Antarctica and there was a, a working DHD there. And so when Rob brought the Stargate to Egypt and, and a DHD, obviously also that he, I feel like this supports my theory that he had to have done something with the programming to make the Giza DHD supersede the Antarctic one. Because it wasn't like DHD versus dialing computer, but it was like DHD versus DHD. Do you think it was just like a, this is my home base one, therefore, or if it was like a, this is a better model? In terms of which DHD he used? Like in terms of having one supersede the other. Yeah, I don't know if it's something as simple as whichever one is in use is the one that gets stuck. I mean, certainly if you're dialing out, then whichever one you're currently using is going to be the one that works. And if it's current and if it's in use, then the other one wouldn't be able to be used. But like for dialing in purposes, how do you make it so that it always goes to Giza and not to Antarctica? Right. So that had to have been what? No, be the same address. The address is the specific location in space where Earth is located. It's a marginally different location. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. There there had to have been some programming that he did, because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. I think this is another instance where we're thinking about it more than the writers did. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So, they are in Russia, and they're going to this base, and the airstrip next to the base where the Stargate is, is iced over, so they can't land, so they have to jump out of the plane. And Daniel and Teal, well, actually, and Sam, too, all three of them look put out. (laughs) None of them want to jump out of the plane. Daniel is just, like, seriously, but he doesn't, he knows he can't really protest beyond that. Sam, like, hangs her head in dejection, and Teal actively tries to get out of it. He's like, this does not seem wise, O'Neill. This does not seem wise. This, like, this cannot possibly be safe to jump out of a plane with a backpack. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, Teal. This doesn't seem safe. I was surprised that Sam looked like she didn't want to do it, though, because I'm sure she's also done it hundreds of times being in the military. So maybe she just doesn't like it. I, yeah, it could just be one of those I'm sick of it things and not like I'm scared of it thing. Yeah, could be. Like one of those things you do when you have to, but not because you want to. Yeah. And Jack spent the whole plane ride over being sassy with Dr. Markov, and she has had it. (laughs) She's so annoyed with him. It's so funny. She's like, I have dealt with one sassy commander before. Riker's not all that sassy. Although, do you see where my love of, like, just throw the military regulations away and kiss comes from? (laughs) It was them. They they were the blueprint. Oh. Okay. They're the reason my brain is broken. (laughs) Yeah, so they get inside the base and find out that everybody is dead. There were 47 people there, and they initially find 28 people. Some of them were shot. Some of them were killed by nerve gas. Yeah, so Dr. Markov is, like, understandably upset because she knew all and worked with all of these people. So I thought that, like, it's just so obvious how good of an actor she is. Because she played that really well. So we come to find out that the planet that the gate is dialed into is submerged underwater, except it is not actually water. It is, I mean, I guess it could be some water and there's just a life form living in it. 
I don't know if it's like the life form is the water or the life form is living in the water, technically. I don't know. My thinking would be if, it, if the life form can separate, then it lives in the water. I did not anticipate today's episodes being like, think about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're both pretty fun episodes, but they also both bring up questions about larger subjects. But yeah, there was a, Jack had a line talking about, so they decide, they figured out that they need to shut off a drone that was on the other side of the Stargate, then that's what's keeping the wormhole open, but they're going to have to take a submarine through the Stargate to turn the drone off. And they're talking about who's going to go in the submarine, and it's going to be Dr. Markov and Sam and Daniel, and Jack is like, oh darn, Like I've never been in a submarine before. And I don't think I caught the significance of that line before, because like when you watch these episodes spaced out week by week, there's six weeks in between this one and the first episode of the season. Right. And so in the first episode of the season, Jack was on a submarine and almost died on the submarine. And it was that Russian sub that Dr. Markov is talking about how they were trying, they went missing and trying to find it. And he is purposefully lying and not telling the truth about what happened to it so he when he's saying he's never been in a submarine before it's a blatant lie and everybody knows it even dr markoff knows it even like if jack's not admitting it she knows that he was on that sub and i, I did not flag that at all yeah i don't think i did initially either because normally you watch these so spaced out if you're watching them on tv but watching them so close together i was like oh He's just blatantly lying and everybody knows it. Okay. <laughs> so when they go through the Stargate in the submarine, Daniel turns into Jack and he becomes very quippy. And so he has lines about like how he initially insults it, be like implying that things that are Russian are poor quality. And then she tells him that it's Swiss. So then he makes multiple jokes about the sub keeping perfect time. But just okay. like Jack O'Neill. <laughs> Couple things. I don't know if the it's Russian and therefore poor quality thing is true. That feels idea. like it's not true. But also I had to laugh um when things were like crumbling later. They're like, even the Swiss stuff isn't working. Yeah. Because we used to live in Switzerland and that happens yeah. a lot. Well, I don't know about a lot. Not the tech, but like they don't got it together. <laughs> Switzerland can break stuff, Daniel. It's fine. I mean, their bus and train schedules were usually very much on time. I mean, they're, they were late during rush suburbs. hour, but... Yeah. Not in the suburbs or if I'm trying to get home from school. So when I need the bus to work, it's not working. <laughs> I think I'm just still a little bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I had to laugh. No offense to Switzerland. It's a beautiful country. You were glad to leave. I kind of wish I could go back. I actually wouldn't mind going back. If I knew I could leave again. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live there again, but I wouldn't mind going, going back. Going back for vacation. I don't know. I think I wouldn't mind living there again. But still also knowing that I would eventually come back probably. Like I wouldn't mind living there for like another year or two. But mm -hmm. not like permanently. No, I would never live there again. But I wouldn't mind going on vacation. Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so they point out that there is no plant or animal life on this other planet. I'm like, well, yeah. the uh, And there's all these ruins, too, from a previous civilization. It's so Atlantis. It right? <laughs> this is Atlantis. Wait, is this the season where Stargate Atlantis joins in? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with it. Okay, never mind. What yeah. is the season where Stargate Atlantis joins in? It is the end of season seven, beginning of season eight. Wrong multiple of four. It's like it's one of the multiple of four seasons. Season four, season eight. <laughs> yeah. 
Never mind. Yeah. So th- yeah, this planet has nothing to do with that. It is vaguely okay. at- Atlantis esque, but that's not it. But it makes me wonder what happened on this planet for the water organisms to take over this huge civilization that used to be there. Presumably humanoids, because it looked like structures that we would have on Earth. I mean, Disney's Cars movie have structures like we would have on Earth, and they have no human. That's fair. (laughs) It it really could have been anything. (laughs) But for our purposes, let's go with humans and not sentient cars. (laughs) So there are also some dead bodies in the water, so that's fun. Meanwhile, while they're in the sub trying to figure stuff out, Jack and Teal'c are exploring the rest of the base, and they discover Colonel Mayborn in a freezer. And I love Jack's line, holy frozen bad guys. (laughs) That was so gross. (laughs) Yes, they take him out of the freezer, and he eventually thaws and wakes up and this is when he vomits out a combination of water and vapor because he had the water organisms inside him again so gross yeah which then go into Teal'c and I thought it was funny that you know Jack went after Teal'c to make sure he was going to be okay and Mayborn just stays in the freezer (laughs) he's just like I'm going to chill in here <laughs> I feel safe the prospect here. for him for Mayborn the prospect of either staying in the freezer or dealing with Jack he's like I'm gonna take the freezer yeah this is the preferable option Mayborn is like so little a military man and that he will not fight if he doesn't have to you know what I mean <laughs> I mean I get that I wouldn't either but I'm not in the military <laughs> and so they Jack follows Teal'c and Teal'c dials the Stargate to the water planet and the organisms are willing to just leave him and not like force him to walk through the gate, luckily. Meanwhile, when the with the crew and the submarine, they're talking about how the pressure is increasing despite their depth not changing. And so within about an hour, the sub is probably going to implode. And I was like, too soon! (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the time you're listening to this, it's been months. Yeah. But for us, it's too soon. (laughs) No, we know exactly what happens when the sub implodes. (laughs) This is very topical! (laughs) If only they knew back then that 23 years later... <laughs> yeah, we would be Almost watching this. Almost a day. Yeah. 23 well, years, years later, but... and uh, it's very topical. <laughs> We've had several episodes like that that are surprising. Like the one with bodily autonomy with Scara yeah. was very topical. So, you know, sometimes it still hits after 23 years. Sci fi is evergreen. Yeah. So. Daniel, of course, is the idiot that decides to touch the angry water and gets sucked in. And so, because the organisms that were in Teal got to go home, the water organisms on the water planet returned the three of them back through the Stargate. Without the submarine, but, you know, they're alive. So... Uh, Yeah, and they just get, like, launched through the Stargate. I did notice that this time, at least, when they're launched through, we don't actually see their bodies hitting the ramp. So that makes me feel better, because it's like, okay, the actors are probably leaving onto pads. It's fine. (laughs) The actors were, like, not in my union contract. Right? (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, now... There are, I don't, they're saying how there's 47 people on the base. I don't know if Mayborn counted in that or not, since he's not Russian, but so at least 46 people are dead. And so that's a lot of loss, but um, at least now the SGC is in the position to negotiate control over the Stargate. I don't think that they 
take the Stargate at this point, but it at least, like, opens the door to where, like, okay, we know you have it, and we can control what you do with it a little bit better this way. Do they take it eventually? I think so. There's a lot of... We gotta ha- we I gotta have some political maneuvering first. The oh, Russians, you know, try to like establish their dominance, and then we're like, no, and you know, and yeah, there's a lot of like that. Not a lot, but there's some. You gotta have some political tension. Right, of course, of course. I did think it was interesting, you know, in this one they're talking about how the Russian president was not convinced that their Stargate program would be worth the money and they were, you know, in danger of being shut down anyway. And so I was looking it up and this was very soon after Vladimir Putin became president. Oh, because he became acting president in December of 1999 and then was officially sworn in in May of 2000. This aired in August of 2000. So 23 years later, and he's still the president, <laughs> right? <laughs> how does that happen? Uh, how indeed. Like so, yeah, it's just, <laughs> they never name presidents in this show. Like, even when they have the American president, it's not whoever is currently actually president of the United States, it's some fictional character. So, that would have been Clinton. At the time, um, because uh, Bush was elected yes, in, in November two thousand, right? Right. So he would have started in two thousand one. So yeah, it would have been Clinton at this point. And they have referenced there being a Democratic president. So it was Clinton. So yeah, it's Clinton. But yeah, they don't they don't call him Clinton. They have some other name for like him. The president. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know. By extension, they never name Putin. You know, but we that's... know. But we know. We know who it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Now the uh, Russians will be tangentially involved here and there throughout the program. Yay! Is Marina Sirtis coming back? No. Boo! I'm sorry. It's only the one episode. Okay, fine. There was a recent con where she was there primarily to talk about Star Trek, but ended up getting asked a lot of Stargate questions. Because <laughs> there were just more Stargate fans than Star Trek fans there, I think. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny, especially because like, if it's recent, Picard season three just aired, so yeah. you would have thought she'd be talking about that. Yeah, I mean, I think she talked about both, but like, got a surprising number of questions about Stargate, despite being on one episode. <laughs> Well, nerds are going to nerd, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, there's, so there's this um, YouTube channel called Dial the Gate, which is like operated by Gate World, I think, that they do interviews with all kinds of Stargate people. And they, they do interviews with people who have only been in one episode all the time. So. Yeah, that seems, that seems about right for long form televised sci-fi. Yeah. Especially the ones like the recurring actors who are not recurring characters who just show up in random episodes all the time. Yeah. Anything else in this episode you want to talk about? No. It was like, I was coming off of a high last week Mm -hmm. with the episode where they were lying about their feelings. And I was like, nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna top that high. (laughs) And then the next episode did, and then th- this episode just it couldn't. It just couldn't top that. <laughs> it was still a it fun really episode. Struggled. <laughs> it was fine, but it like it struggled because I was still I was still somewhere right. else. But on its own, it's a good episode. On its own, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. not problematic yeah. or anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did get an interesting little hint at the very beginning of the Watergate episode. They when they initially figure out that their Stargate isn't working because of the Russian Stargate. They're trying to get to a planet where they're talking about helping the Incarans or Incarans, I think. And this is, and we're going to see them in two show episodes from now. They're in. So next week. 
yeah, they're in episode nine. And I feel like that's the first time that we've actually had like a flash forward to something that's coming up like that. Are they the ones who rid us of Teal's soul patch? That's the last episode with the soul. Are patch. they the heroes of the <laughs> no. hour? No, I think that actually happens at the beginning of episode ten. <laughs> that it gets fine. Gotten rid of. <laughs> fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just I've never noticed anything like that before where it's like actually hinting about something else that's about to happen. So that was cool. And then in the Window of Opportunity episode, the Malachi guy who was missing his wife had a picture of her, like a holographic picture that was kind of moving, like a gif. (laughs) And uh, I was like, is it just me? Or does that woman in the photo look older than him? Especially considering that it was taken 12 years ago. Maybe she is older than him. Yeah. He just likes an older lady. Yeah. Maybe so. I like that kind of age gap better than the usual man being way older. Yeah. Certainly different. Yeah, it gets tiring. Yeah. Unless it's sexy, in which case it's okay. (laughs) Everybody on the show is like the smart one and the dumb one and I'm the dumb one. I mean, I feel like there is like a 15 age gap, 15 year age gap between Sam and Jack, right? Because she's supposed to be like... Is there really? Well, I mean, isn't she supposed to be like mid-30s? I mean, I know he's 50, but is he supposed to be 50? I don't know. What is their actual age difference? So, Richard Jean Anderson was born in 1950. She was born in 1965. It's a 15 year age difference. Wow, I was exactly right. Oh my god. It just got sexier. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I need help. Yeah, you do. <laughs> There's no help for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just there's nothing to be done. <laughs> yeah, because we were talking about this before, about how old that Sam might be. And we were thinking that, like, basically Sam and Daniel seem like they're both about 35-ish. And I feel Jack like we talked about like 50. these concepts separately, like how old Jack yeah. is. Yeah. And then how old Daniel yeah. and Sam are. But I don't think we talked about the two at the same time. No, no, I don't think so. This, like, did not occur to us until just now. No. And Teal'c, I think we learn his canonical age later in the show. And I think doing backwards math, he's somewhere around 80 or 90 years old at this point. <laughs> he looks great. He looks amazing. <laughs> Great for his age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what I need to know now is with this new knowledge, mm-hmm. when do they get together? I'm not going to tell you that. <gasps> You're never going to trick me. I wonder if I and can Google it and just. Don't look it you. up. You're going to ruin it. I just want to know if they actually properly get together. You don't have to tell me when it happens. I'm not going to tell you. Why? You're the one who has an issue with spoilers, not me. Because it'll ruin it. No, it'll give me something to look forward to. I'm not going to tell you. But if it doesn't happen, if we get to like the end of this series uh-huh. and it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. we're going to have to push our finale discussion episode to the next week mm. because I am going to be spending 90 minutes yelling about this <laughs> and nothing else. Okay, but keep in mind that there's also the spinoff shows. Right. But this is their show. Yeah. So I just will be. I just will. That that makes me nervous. Like, they're not going to get together until, like, the last season of the last spinoff show. I'm warning you now. Be prepared for that 90-minute rant. (laughs) Okay. I consider myself warned. Okay. (laughs) so i think these episodes hold up for a modern audience okay i don't i don't 
really find anything problematic in them. Me neither. Yeah, all good. So next week we'll be talking about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9, The First Ones and Scorched Earth. R.C., you ready for your next quote? Yes, I am. I think I've just been marked for death. <sighs> okay. It Honestly, it could... I keep, I keep thinking I've got it, and then my brain's like, or... Because I'm like, it could be Daniel, Sam, or Jack. Just delivered differently. Mm-hmm. Like something I, happens. I try to deliver it in as close a tone as possible to the actual delivery. Can, can you say it again? I think I've just been marked for death. I'm going to go with Daniel. Okay. There's somewhere something's happening and he has literally been marked for death. By the locals. Okay. We'll find out next week. That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 on Instagram and threads. And I think I'm at Arzu D2 dot blue sky dot so whatever that is on blue sky. <laughs> As for the rest, you can find us on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We're uh, the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs>